Welcome to this late hour. A look at the world through the lens of scripture. I'm your host, Casey Knowlton. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. For those of you new to the show, I'm glad you've decided to join me today. Don't forget to hit the subscribe or follow button to keep up to date on new episodes as they release. And thank you for giving the show a favorable review on your preferred platforms. Today is the second of a two-part episode. If you haven't listened to last week's show yet, The Last Days, I'd highly recommend going back and giving it a listen before moving on. As a brief recap of our last show, I talked about how we can know it is The Last Days. We looked at 1 John 2.18, in which John talks about it being the last hour and how a spirit of Antichrist is at work, particularly in the churches. I drew a distinction between the last days, the days we now find ourselves in, and the end times, which have yet to take place. The three main signs that I discussed taking place in our churches were a loss of a literal view of scripture, seeing more and more believers being led astray by false teachers, and clear indications that our progress on the Great Commission is nearing fulfillment. Today we're going to dial in on three areas to look for in our world that suggest a late hour. First, there are noticeable, measurable signs of increasing birth pangs in creation. Second, we are seeing an exponential increase of evil all around us. Third, there is a prevailing spirit of unbelief and mockery at work in the world. To my first point, we are seeing very literal birth pangs increasing throughout the world. What do I mean by birth pangs? Well, consider Romans 8, 20-22. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And we come back to Genesis once again, friends. Adam and Eve disobeyed the one commandment given to them not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In that moment they fell from grace and came under judgment and the curse of sin, as have all who have come after them. And not only us, but all of creation became corrupted by sin, as Paul indicates here in Romans and it longs to be set free from its slavery to corruption. You see, all that was meant to be has been lost, corrupted by the effects of sin and death. Did you know that natural disasters have been steadily on the rise since the 1900s? In fact, if you compare a chart of natural disasters over the last 100 plus years and compare it to a graph representing labor pains, they look almost identical. The visual here is quite striking, so if you can, Look in the show notes for links to both pictures. Why has there been this gradual increase in natural disasters? For no matter to what degree man has impacted climate change, we have little control over such events. And there is no question that we have done much devastation to the earth. I wonder how we can ever possibly clean up all the microplastics now in our oceans. There are estimates that there are as much as 14 million tons of microplastics on the ocean floor. It has had a devastating impact on marine life. And that is but one example of dozens I could cite about different issues affecting our planet. There is a difference, however, between environmental stewardship versus environmental obsession. We cannot save the planet, friends. There is only one who can, one who will set things right. Go back to Romans, one verse prior, in 8.19. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. And what is creation longing for? 
Because when Christ brings his kingdom, not only will his followers be made new, but so will all creation. And what is creation longing for? It longs for Christ to bring his kingdom. For not only will his followers be made new, but so will all of creation. Now by this I'm not suggesting that we are now given license to trash the planet. Of course not. As Christians we should be good stewards of all that the Lord has blessed us with. After all, we are his representatives. We should be the hands and the feet of Christ in all areas of our lives. Creation is crying out, and increasingly so. It is another sign of the times in which we live. Do not let such things, or the doomsday models about climate change, fill you with fear. God is sovereign and has already told us how this all ends. Remember 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We could sure use less fear nowadays. And having more of God's power, love, and reason would be good for all of us in such times as these. 2 Timothy also speaks of the last days and relates to our second sign of the times. In chapter 3, 1-5, through 5, we read, But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. All we must do is turn on our newsfeed, friends. Here's just two examples of many that illustrate what is going on in our world today. Now, I will be reading several articles throughout our next few examples, so please bear with me. The NIH, or National Institute of Health, has been in the news plenty these days, headed by the infamous Dr. Anthony Fauci. Did you know that our Institute of Health has been experimenting on rats and mice by grafting fetal tissue to them? What's worse, the skin used comes from the scalp of the aborted child by decapitating them. Here's part of the article from PolitiFact. In the ethical approval section of the University of Pittsburgh study, the researchers reported that the human fetal tissues used were at the gestational age of 18 to 20 weeks and were obtained from medically or elective indicated termination of pregnancy. The researchers also said that all maternal donors provided written consent. After the graphs, scientists monitored the rodents for weeks and documented the development with photos, some of which have been shared online. Some of the photos show human hair growing alongside mouse fur. Ultimately, the researchers concluded that the rodents support the development of full-thickness human skin, autologous immune cells, and autologous lymphoid tissues, and that they support human skin infection when injected with it. The finding could provide a platform for studying human skin infections, the paper said. Well, at least it passed the ethical approval section of the University of Pittsburgh. Friends, if I had taken away all the context of this article, I could have easily convinced you it was right out of the Nuremberg trials, where in 1946 various Nazi scientists and physicians stood trial for their crimes against the Jews within concentration camps. News like this is distressing, which is why we tend to avoid thinking about such things. To be on the alert as Christians, we need to be honest with what's really going on in the world. For our next example, let me read a slightly longer excerpt from an article from the World 101 website on human trafficking, put together by the Council of Foreign Relations. Human trafficking comes in many shapes and sizes, harming adults and children in countries rich and poor alike. 
In total, this issue, also known as modern slavery, affects an estimated 40.3 million people globally and earns traffickers at least $150 billion annually, making it one of the world's most profitable crimes. Forced labor is any work or service done involuntarily and is the most common form of human trafficking, affecting nearly 25 million people worldwide, in which people are made to repay loans or inherited debts in exploitative situations. Forced labor also includes sex trafficking. Forced marriage occurs when someone is made to marry without their consent, a situation that affects more than 15 million people. This category includes early marriage, defined internationally as when but one or both parties are under the age of 18, given that children are too young to give their consent. Organ trafficking is the sell and purchase of organs for transplantation. Experts label all forms of organ sale as human trafficking, given that economic despair forces poor and vulnerable individuals to sell their organs up to the rich. Up to 10% of all transplants are thought to be conducted using illicitly acquired organs. By some estimates, organ trafficking generates between $840 million and $1.7 billion annually. Women, 49%, and girls, 23%, make up the majority of all reported human trafficking cases, including 99% of victims of sex trafficking and 58% of victims in all other commercial industries. Men, 21%, and boys, 7%, also constitute a significant share of human trafficking victims. Men and boys also make up the majority of victims of organ removal. Migrants are particularly vulnerable to human trafficking, especially forced labor, in which they represent almost one in every four victims. Furthermore, the COVID-19 pandemic is likely fueling a surge in human trafficking, as the global health crisis pushes as many as 150 million people into extreme poverty. Desperate individuals are more likely to accept risky job offers, which can result in exploitative trafficking situations. Additionally, pandemic-related travel bans and stay-at-home lockdowns means that people are spending more time indoors and on the internet, contributing to a rise in online sexual exploitation, particularly of children. These are but two different evils permeating our world today. I trust you shouldn't need any further convincing of the increase in evil we see all around us. If I were to keep listing examples, this episode would never end. It has become all too easy to become desensitized to the evils we witness every day. Let us not be naive about the presence and grotesque nature of such evils, and that their presence is not only increasing, but becoming commonplace. This brings us to the last point of observation, the increase of unbelief and mockery. Listen to what is said in 2 Peter 3, 3-4. Know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Certainly we see this attitude at work in our world today. Hardened atheists, such as Richard Dawkins, author of The God Delusion, have purposely set out to mock religion, especially Christianity. Here's a sample of what happened at the first Reason Rally from 2012 in an article in Salon titled, Is Mocking Religion Enough? Right from the start, the 2012 Reason Rally in Washington, D.C. set the tone that was to dominate the rest of the day. As the crowd was filtering into the National Mall, a band fired up the crowd with a rousing song that lampooned the belief in Jesus coming again, mixing it with sexual innuendo. As the assembled crowd clapped and sang along to other songs satirizing religion, a large costumed puppet figure of Jesus danced among spectators. We're not here to bash anyone's faith, but if it happens, it happens. Comedian and master of ceremonies Paul Provenza announced to laughter and applause at the outset of the event. 
The bashing and attacks on religion, mainly Christianity, in its evangelical and Catholic forms, happened as much, if not more, than positive portrayals of secularism and were in sync with new atheist leader and scientist Richard Dawkins' advice to mock and ridicule people's beliefs. When one of the authors asked an individual, when one of the authors asked an official from the Secular Students Alliance about whether the ridiculing of religion was productive, he answered, this is what we do. Such mocking is becoming commonplace. If you've watched any late-time television, then you are no stranger to the many times Christianity, among other religious beliefs, are mocked by stand-up comedians. I think a rise in the mocking we are witnessing is also fueled by false speculation. I want to read just one last article from the Christian Post that I think speaks into the heart of this issue. This is from a 2011 article written by Audrey Barrick. Jesus is returning next month, according to one controversial group, and atheists are ready for it. They're throwing a rapture party. While Christian radio broadcaster Harold Camping tries to warn the world that the rapture, where Christians will rise and join Jesus, will happen on May 21st, the group American Atheist is calling it nonsense and advertising a party for heathens and skeptics. The rapture, you know it's nonsense, 2,000 years of any day now, says the Atheist Group's billboard in Oakland, California. The billboard is designed to mock two millennia of false predictions that the world was about to end. The ad was erected in response to billboards that went up in recent months that say Jesus is coming again in May. This is nothing new, said American Atheist President David Silverman in a statement. Self-declared Christian prophets have a long track record predicting the end of the world. What distinguishes this latest round of warnings, though, is the sheer scale and the cultural backdrop of gloom and doom over everything from the economy to the environment. Christians have argued that predicting the date for the end of the world is unbiblical. No one can know the day or hour, they say, citing scripture. The end of times is something that we all expect and hope for and look forward to, but most Christians aren't in the business of trying to predict the date. They are working toward that date. Dr. Thomas B. Slater, professor of New Testament at Mercer University's McAfee School of Theology, told the Christian Post in an earlier interview. Still, many evangelical Christians don't deny that the last days are near. A recent Public Religion Research Institute and Religion News Service poll, conducted after Japan was struck by its latest earthquake in recent history, found that 67% of evangelicals believe natural disasters are evidence of the end times. Pastor Greg Laurie from Southern California admitted that the end of the world message has been preached many times before, but recent events such as the massive earthquakes in Japan and New Zealand and the unrest in the Middle East make it evident that the return of Jesus Christ is closer. But again, Christians, except for camping, are not sure what the day will be. In the meantime, while atheists party and plan a secular future with like-minded people, Christians are being urged to get right with God and bring people to Christ. This radio broadcaster is one of many who pour gasoline on the fires of skepticism and mockery. When Christ tells us no one knows the date or hour but the Father, why don't we believe him? When we hear of someone predicting a date, the church should quickly mobilize to correct that person. Notice, however, the atheist billboard response. It read, you know it's nonsense, the no in all caps, followed by 2,000 years of any day now. This suggests circular reasoning. Because Christ has not come, he never will. We also see that there is not any distinguishment between the last days and the end times. I think this is a common misconception. As I argued in the last episode, it may not be the end times, but I do think scripture teaches we are in the last days. The only question is how far along in those days are we? Increased mockery such as this seems a clear indicator to me that the hour is growing late. Do not forget the call to watch as it says in Mark chapter 13. Take heed, keep on the alert, for you do not know when the appointed time will come. 
Keeping our eyes on what is happening in the world, just as the article referenced about the earthquake that hit Japan, is the posture we should be taking. That brings us to a close to the three main points of observation in the world we are seeing that point to the lateness of our hour. They are visible and increasing birth pangs in creation, an increasing of evil upon the earth, and rising skepticism and mockery of Christ's return. I have listed all the linked articles referenced today in the show description. Don't forget to look at the images of the natural disasters and labor pains. They are quite striking. Before I end today's episode, I would like to press into one last bit of scripture regarding the root of man's mockery about Christ's return, as stated in 2 Peter, in which he gets to the genesis of the problem. 2 Peter 3, 5-7 For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Here we are reminded again of the importance of our understanding of both creation and the flood and how we view the end times. It is why we will be moving directly into a series of episodes about the Genesis problem, which includes a two-part interview I had with Dr. Ben's scripture concerning the topics of creation and the flood. It's a great discussion, so I hope you'll come back and check it out. If you are enjoying these podcasts, please give the show a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you would like to support the show, please click on the ACAST supporter link or visit my Patreon page, where I recently posted a great episode discussing Matthew 24 and the Tribulation. If you have questions or comments, please send us an email at thislatehourpodcast at gmail.com or visit our Twitter at KCNolton or the Facebook page This Late Hour. Thank you so much for joining me for this third episode of This Late Hour. Stay on the alert, dear Christian. Until next time, God bless. You have been listening to This Late Hour. Your contribution helps pay our fees, improve our equipment, and build better content. It is my hope that your continued support of our show may bring future interviews and exclusives. Our goal is to always be improving our show so that the church may be strengthened in our mission to bring salt and light to this present darkness. May God richly bless you.